Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside and outside the squared circle in a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up today, we're on the road to WrestleMania Backlash, with Cody Seth 2 looming large on the horizon. We're talking about that, why the edge heel turn isn't working, and 20 years of Randy Orton. While in AEW, there's been a much-needed heel turn for Sammy Guevara, the announcement of a huge joint pay-per-view with New Japan, and it looks like Punk Page is where we're going next for the AEW World Championship. All of that and so much more to discuss right now on Earning the Push. Look, we're on the road to WrestleMania Backlash, where WWE seems convinced that it's going to uh, run what? What are you laughing at already? The road to WrestleMania Backlash is not a thing. Let's not try and get that going. We are on the road to WrestleMania Backlash, and WWE has decided it's going to run back as many matches as it possibly can. Top of the bill, it seems like Seth Cody too. Um, Building to that on WWE Monday Night Raw this past week, what do you think? There's absolutely every reason to have Seth Cody too, because I've said before many times on the podcast, I like when wrestling is treated like a sport. And we said last week, if you don't know who your opponent's going to be, like Seth didn't, you are going to be caught off guard. So that one makes sense. There's absolutely reason to have it again. And it was a good match. I'm, I'm happy to have it again. I think I said last week, for me, Cody's got to win. We can't do 50-50 booking with him. Uh, he's coming as a star. He's got to win. Losing to him doesn't hurt Seth, I don't think, because you treat Cody like the star that they want him to be, and he is. But what I don't want is the whole WrestleMania card again. I don't want, it's like WWE, like, you like WrestleMania? Well, have it again. No, no, no. Give us bits that make sense to start moving stories on as well. I don't think they're going to start moving stuff on when you look at the way this card is building. It just seems like what they've done is they've said, which celebrities don't we have available? Right, we'll get rid of them. We won't have any uh, Logan Paul. We won't have any Stone Cold Steve Austin. But apart from that, we're going to give you exactly the same stuff, maybe with a few stipulations added. They're not They're not exactly pushing the boat out to get new storylines going. Imagine if they did hold Steve Austin back for WrestleMania Backlash. Whoa, Steve, no, no, no. WrestleMania is a bit much for you, buddy. We uh, we really want to push the WrestleMania Backlash. So why don't we hold you back? For- I don't. I hate the name as well, by the way. Mm. I hate the name. No one's tuning in, going, "Oh, it's WrestleMania." Just call it Backlash. Uh, some of the names in the mid to the n- late '90s and early mid 2000s for pay per views were so good. Backlash was one of them. Just keep that name. Keep it. Yeah, absolutely. No Mercy was a great name. Unforgiven. Vengeance. 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 Armageddon. Quite warlike by WWE, but even sort of after that, I loved a good bad blood pay-per-view. I thought that was great. You know, I. so we're getting this. By the way, was it only really a year ago, I may have this wrong, where WrestleMania Backlash had the zombies? Is that where we were one year ago? Yeah, we had the zombies and the greatest wrestling match of all time, didn't we? Here's something I found unusual. This is pretty much exactly the same Cody Rhodes we saw in AEW. Apart from they've got rid of the Cody Vader because they can't fit it on the stage, it's the same Cody. Yet the dynamic that we saw when he was leaving AEW versus where he is in WWE, he's a pure babyface now. How's that happened? It's almost like WWE have built their own law around it that anywhere but WWE isn't good enough. So it's almost like Cody's success story. Like, oh, look, everything he did, and he's come back to WWE, so let's cheer him because he's been successful and come back. Look at him. And 
that was the truth sort of before AEW, but now you can still be on um, a weekly television show on national television, internationally seen with huge pay-per-views, earning great money, not in WWE. So it's not quite the same, but I think everyone's happy to see him back. The fans, they're desperate. To, I think I think fans are desperate to see him win the title for that emotional moment of um, winning it for Dusty. I generally think people want to see that. And I think when that happens, I think there is going to be a huge pop. But I think that's why I'm really excited. I'll tease it now. Jack texted me yesterday saying, please, 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 can I do my fights booking tomorrow? I really like it. So Jack's going to do his today. But I'm really interested to see what you want to do and what I want to do because they have to get it right because this is a... This is a one-shot thing. You don't get the second time he wins it. Isn't going to be isn't going to be the emotional moments. You've got to get this right. And I think people are invested in that story. The promos he's cut since he's been back have been top class. He's always been a brilliant wrestler, but now he's not just Dusty Rhodes' son. So go and like him. He's got so much lore and story to him. And then you put sprinkle the Dusty Rhodes on top of it, and it's a bit of a recipe for a for a brilliant babyface. It is, and and I'm wondering whether actually what we're seeing here is a difference between the AEW audience and the WWE audience. Because if you take the same guy, the same entrance music, the same entrance, the same persona, and you put him in front of an AEW crowd, and he's almost wanting to go heel. I mean, we were saying he should do, and he stuck to his guns and said, I'm not a heel. He goes to WWE, he's pure babyface, and it's not a mixed crowd. They want him as a baby. And I'm wondering if Cody maybe was a little bit smarter than you and I when we were going, let's turn him, let's turn him, let's turn him. And he thought, no, there's another story here to tell. It's not me that's wrong. It's the promotion that's wrong. Let's not rush to that because I think this is... uh... This is our one-year anniversary potentially doing a podcast. I, have, I haven't seen Cody Rhodes do a podcast weekly for a year. So how much does he actually know about yeah, wrestling? Yeah, Cody, what's your deal? Where's your, where's your weekly podcast with <laughs> literally tens of listeners, Cody? Where's your podcast? He knows nothing compared to us. Well, that's another gauntlet laid down. But but do you think there's something in that that actually he, he sensed the time wasn't because... And I guess you never know what you never know. Who knows what a Cody Rhodes heel turn would have been like in AEW had he stayed where he'd have been there. But he is one of the top baby faces in WWE now, and he's done it his way. Yeah, he he clearly, as much as we joke, has a great understanding for the business and gets it, doesn't he? He does get it. Uh, he was probably, I think, surprised by the reaction in AEW. I think a lot of us were, because the crowd did just turn on him a bit out of nowhere, didn't they? So... If he'd stayed in AEW, I still think he would have had to turn. I don't think they were saving the babyface run for Cody Rhodes in that organisation, in that company, in front of that crowd. But what it does show is that this Cody Rhodes can be a red-hot babyface with the right story around him. Yeah, and he's still the thing we're talking about most in wrestling since WrestleMania. He's been really what we've been kicking off with each show. Uh, we've lost another wrestler's first name, R.I.P. Austin Theory, now just... Theory, um, maybe they don't do this in WWE or in America, but when I hear theory, I think driving test when you just have it like on its own. He defeats Finn Balor for the US title. They're really getting all behind theory heading out of WrestleMania. Yeah, they obviously strap a rocket to him on a push into the moon. Uh, there's got to be some sort of theory behind it. Oh, dear. Uh, dear sorry, dear. everyone. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's early morning. It's six minutes past eight. And that's the best I've got. Um, why do they just keep losing first names? It's a riddle to me. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> goodness sake. You've I, enjoyed that one. I but did. genuinely, why do they just keep losing first names? And what I love about it is they don't make a thing about it. They just do it. 
Yeah. Which I'm almost impressed with the WWE. They go, we'll change this. You'll, you'll all be used to it in a few weeks. They just don't care. Like the Gunther and Butch thing. They just don't care. They're like, in a month, you'll be used to it. So that's fine. And we are with Riddle. I mean, who's calling him Matt Riddle anymore? We're all calling him Riddle. We'll all be calling him Theory. Um, I I just think it's bizarre that they got rid of his first name, but clearly they see money in Theory. Now, before WrestleMania, with the Pat McAfee angle, and I think Elimination Chamber-wise as well, you were saying you're not sure he's necessarily someone that you would invest this sort of time in, although you wished him well with the opportunity. Has your view of Theory changed, given what he's been doing over the past few weeks? I absolutely think Theory's a good wrestler, I think, and I think he has a good character. He's just not my cup of tea. I'm never going to be a massive Austin Theory Theory fan. That's not, He's not going to be my thing, but I don't... He's not turn off the telly when he comes on, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I don't go, oh, I just... It's never going to be the first thing I want to go and watch. I don't think he's bad. He's just not my cup of tea massively. The other thing is, let's look at who he beat for the US title. Who did Finn Balor annoy in wwe what are we seeing in him that others aren't in wwe because the guy can't seem to get a sustained break a sustained run and hasn't since he went to nxt and won the nxt title really yeah it's a mystery isn't it because vince obviously saw the world in him because he was the first universal title and it will always be gut-wrenching that he sustained the injury he did in that match and didn't get the run that he should have had then but since then, he's never, ever been able to get a run. He went back to NXT and won the NXT title and did good work in NXT, but on the main roster where Vince clearly loved him. In 2016, he was the man. They strapped everything to him. They, their brand new world title. He was the first man to have it. And since he got injured, it's like he's been punished for it. Of, you embarrassed us by getting injured the first day of our new title. So, hey, you're not going to get anything. And it's just... It's horrible to see because he's so good. And I just don't understand why we aren't talking about main event Finn Balor. We're talking about Finn Balor not really being used. Do you think it's something to do with that NXT run? And look, we should balance it out by saying he did have a shot of Roman Reigns where he did that weird flashy music at Extreme Oh God, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, that went nowhere. So it's not like he's not had opportunities and other people would say he's here in WWE, he's living his dream, he's earning a lot of money, he's travelling the world. That's hardly punishment. However... It does seem like the shine went off the apple fairly quickly. And if you look at what's happened to the NXT that went up against AEW, it's it, none of them are there, really, from that NXT. And the ones who have stayed, like Finn, um, he's not really getting much of a push. Do you think there's something in the WWE hierarchy's mind going, he couldn't get us to beat AEW, why should he be the guy we invest in? I've never really thought about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if those guys who couldn't be aid up in the ratings aren't seen with a bit of a tarnished brush in WWE by Vince because how can you not beat that small indie company and I've had to change NXT completely because of it, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, could, I hadn't thought that, but I could see that. Let's talk a little bit about something I didn't think I would like, but I really liked on Monday Night Raw. Ezekiel... Kevin Owens and Chad Gable doing that lie detector truth thing had no right to work. But as we've said before, sometimes in wrestling, you just go, I'm enjoying this. It was good fun. And thanks in in large part to all three men who over-delivered with that material. I laughed. I liked it. Yeah, same. They absolutely went, right, this is a bit of tosh, but we'll make it work. Like, we'll, we'll invest in this and do what we can. And it was, it was enjoyable. And wrestling doesn't always have to be great. 
it doesn't have to be five-star classics. It doesn't have to be super kicks and tope suicidas. It can be silly. And it was silly. It was brilliant. And all three of them gave a great performance and showed their comedic side. And I love that in, in WWE law, if you need someone clever, you just go and get Chad Gable. <laughs> like, why was he there? Why did they, why was Chad Gable doing it? Like, but it just seems like accepted that Chad's the cleverest in the locker room. So if you need someone to be something clever, go and get Chad. And Chad has maximized his minutes because really Alpha Academy is the type of thing that maybe, maybe, maybe no one saw would last for, for as long as it has. No one necessarily thought that Chad Gable's going to be your guy when it comes to great comedy moments, and yet he was. And it was great. And Kevin Owens, when Ezekiel passed one of the questions, and Kevin Owens goes, you didn't ask it right. I mean, his delivery, perfection. He's so good. Kevin, There's nothing he can't do, Kevin Owens. He He's one of the greats of this generation. I truly believe that. In the ring, he always delivers. He's funny. He can be serious monster heel. He can be vicious. He can be scary. He's he's just brilliant, Kevin Owens. You sounded a little bit like Mika there at the start of the Grace Kelly song, I have to say. He can be this, he can be that. That bit. That bit. That's it. That's yes, that's yeah. all about Kevin Owens now. I, I thought it was great. I still think if, if you're WWE looking at that roster, you can do more with Kevin Owens. But a mark of respect to him to say, we're going to put you with this Ezekiel thing that really shouldn't work. And and he does make it entertaining. And maybe that's what he likes doing as well. Uh, yeah, he looks like he's having fun. I have no idea where this Ezekiel thing goes long long term, by the way. Well, what do you do with this? How long are we going to pretend it's not Elias? I'm going to say that in about eight weeks, we get a backstage split screen where some WWE magic, some way of doing it means you get Ezekiel meeting Elias. But it is not a character <laughs> I mean what's his gimmick his gimmick is literally he is not someone else that does mm. not have legs yes I am not Elias oh push me that, right. that's, that's got WWE Champion written all over it here's something I really hate if that was something I liked here's something I really really hate and I don't like hating it but I do I hate heel edge I hate heel edge's stable i hate the lighting i hate the spookiness i hate what they've done to this top tier baby face i hate it i don't like it at all charlie it is turn off for me whenever i see it i don't like it at all am i wrong no because as great as edge is as a heel and mid 2000s edge heel was one of the greats of all time we just want to cheer poor adam copeland don't we he's back we just want to cheer him out and i hate i hate that when he comes out i don't get you think you know me? Like I want that every time. It's it's and look and and this is where real life and and wrestling sometimes cut across each other. But folks who follow Adam Copeland on social media will have seen very sadly recently he lost his dog, one of his 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 very beloved pets who has been in lots of WWE things and in the documentaries. And he posted this really moving tribute, as anyone who's lost a pet will know, to the pain he is feeling. I can't see that on his Instagram and then watch a WWE program where he is spooky and, and this spookiness as well. Where has this come from? He was a master manipulator. Why is suddenly he lights off and there he is in a room with AJ? Yeah, I don't want spooky. I I, I think we're moving on from spooky a little bit, aren't we? I, I don't mind spooky if it's been established in your character. I think Malachi Black and we'll talk more about AW a little later, we can deal with a bit of spookiness in it. There it came, you know, if The Undertaker comes back. But the Edge, why? I just... And and here's what I hate about it. He was a top-tier babyface. 
on the heel roster on Monday Night Raw and WWE, where does Edge fall now? Fifth? Sixth? Yeah, not not at the top. Doesn't need to doesn't need to happen. So I I I'm not liking that. Um here's something we need to celebrate. Twenty years of Randy Orton being celebrated by WWE this April. He made his debut on an episode of SmackDown in the year, God love it, two thousand and two. 2002, 20 years of Randy Orton. I thought we should spend just a bit of time celebrating the legacy of this man. It's incredible, isn't it, to be 20 years in the business and still at the absolute top of it. We talk about taking it for 30, but Randy's been there for 20 years. And I think about other sports where you have a career that lasts 20 years and you're absolutely at the top the whole time. Like Randy Orton's never, never gone into obscurity. Since he had his breakout from Evolution as a as a top star by himself, there's always a big fight feel about Randy Orton. You're all Randy Orton. He's always been at the top. And you look at the things he's done, and I know he takes a lot of criticism for when Randy's not motivated and he doesn't really perform to the level he should. And he does call it in a little bit. But we don't see that that often anymore. He seems to have... You watch the 24 documentary talks, you see things like that, his evil episode. He, he talks about it. He's... He's in a different stage of his career now where he seems like he's having the time of his life, this riddle stuff he's loving, and he's just... he. I, I've got all the time in the world for Randy Orton. I think he's one of the greatest heels we've ever seen. I think as a heel, he's unbelievable. I was genuinely scared of Randy Orton when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old because the whole unhinged voices in my head thing really did scare me a bit because that wasn't something I'd ever seen before. And You start to deal with like, yeah, some people do have voices in their head that make them do things that they shouldn't. When he was punting people's heads off, that was a scary Randy Orton. And also, to keep yourself in the shape he has for 20 years is not an easy thing to do. Not once has anyone ever looked at Randy Orton with his top of the end, but Jesus, he's in good shape. It it is. I mean, I looked at him on SmackDown and and just it was this that really made me realise God, we've been sleeping on Randy Orton. That promo he cuts with Riddle against the Usos, and there he is in amazing shape, cutting Moxley-esque promos. It had that sort of looseness and realness to it. He's as over as he's ever been. And I'm thinking, we don't talk enough about how good Randy Orton is and how consistently good he has been. He has always been, as you say, for nigh on 20 years at the very top of the card. And did he phone it in sometimes? Maybe. Maybe he actually was smart in preserving his career and knowing he wanted a long career and he needed to be more methodical. So how good was that Legend Killer run? That was such a cool run and cool gimmick sort of thing to have. And I, generally looking back, if the Legend Killer had ended the streak, I don't think anyone would have had an issue because it would have made sense. If at WrestleMania 21 in 2005, if the streak had ended, yes, it would have been hideous because of the matches we didn't get and the law we wouldn't have got on the streak. But he was that good in 2005, three years in the business. I think he was 27 years old or something yeah. hideous like that. He was that good already. If he'd been taken at WrestleMania, I think we all would have gone, that makes sense, actually. He, he's just been amazing. And, and I think that possibly what has damned him is he's been, been in that last Jim Ross recruiting class where he had Shelton Benjamin, Randy Orton, John Cena and Batista. It's always been seen as being the one because Cena's had a no question, one of the greatest careers ever. But, you know, if, if Cena is Hogan, how do you not say Randy Orton is Randy Savage? And I wonder if when we look back in a few years time, if the purists won't be saying that Orton edged out everything Cena did. Does Orton have the greatest finish of all time as well? <sighs> well, he, 
Does he have the greatest finisher or is the cutter one of the greatest finishers ever? Because well, the cutter's the diamond cutter and it's almost a yeah, stunner. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just in terms of knowing you'll get a pop, instant pop, that's got to be up there with the stunner, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the whole how they literally sell that out of nowhere and the fact that it can come, it, it will change a match completely. And the way he has delivered it in so many... If you want, if you want a good seven minutes... Go on WWE's YouTube and find the top 10 RKOs of all time. And I dare you not to smile. They are unbelievable, some of the ones he's given. What's your favourite since we're in this area? Oh, there was the one recently with Chad Gable, wasn't there? Off the uh, moonsault. Which, which was, some people didn't like. I thought was unbelievable. And if they were all just done in the same place and the same card, that's the best one for me. That is the best one. But for events, for the moment, it's got to be on Seth at WrestleMania 31. And because, because it of has the, to be because of the way he reacted as well. Because yeah. you could, I, I don't. You're the athlete. I have no idea how difficult that is to to pull off. I don't. Really... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I play rugby. <laughs> I have no idea how difficult that is. I'm not. I'm not there going right. Well, I do a line out. I do a scrum. Okay, out of a stomp, yeah, I reckon that's probably like a 7 out of 10 difficulty. Right, but hold on, because in the scrum, there is a lot of lifting mechanics, uh, in, in the line-out, a lot of lifting and mechanics, right? Okay, just hear me out. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're not the expert, I'm not the expert. I mean, one of the two of us has to speak about it. And right, okay, okay, right, I'll take it. I'll be Arco expert. To to get the height the Seth got off the back, pushing off the back of Randy, or I don't know how much Seth is, is, is weighing, but you're thinking at least 14, 15 stone. You'd yeah, think, yeah. Yeah, around that. Randy's got to push that up and get the timing. Because if Randy falls backwards to deliver that move a split second earlier, it looks rubbish. He doesn't yeah. catch him. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's, I, I do think it's the timing more than anything because they're moving so quickly. And like you say, the reaction, you see how mad he goes after he's hit it. That tells you how hard that is to do. To get, And he knows he's done it perfectly. He knows he's hit that absolutely perfectly. I know the first thing I'm going to do after we record is go and watch that because now I, I need to because it's just so good. And you're also heading into the off-season for rugby. I expect to see you and your boys giving me some RKO practice footage from, from a mm. training session because I, yes, you're the important. athlete in all that. Yeah. And that's the best thing. You can just go and pretend to RKO people. Me and my sister did it for a long time. Just run up to my dad. He used to be walking around and he'd just shout, RKO! And then we did... So I'm going to tell you, we did ridiculous things. So we used to, probably from the age of about 12 to 15, for a good three years in my household, you won a point if you could Ric Flair chop someone in the house and shout woo. <laughs> if you could just go and chop someone and shout woo without them blocking it, that was like a point. And that probably for three years went on. I walked off a rugby pitch once. My dad did it straight to me after a game when I was like 14. <laughs> oh. Just finished playing rugby. Like, it was just... I also remember once playing and... um on the side, I was playing for Les Tigers Academy. One of the lads came up to me with a bit of a break and went, Charlie, is your sister trying to RKO your dad on the sideline? I looked over and Essie was just doing an RKO to her dad and I was like, yeah, no, yeah, that's what's happening. If you love wrestling as much as we do, there are three simple things you can do right now to help this podcast grow. Firstly, rate and review us wherever you're listening today to keep us moving up the charts. Secondly, subscribe so we never miss an episode. And thirdly, get involved with your fantasy booking and by telling other people about what we do on social media. A word from you on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook makes an absolute world of difference. And now, back to the show. 
Let's talk AEW now here on the program uh, because there's been lots going on in AEW's world. We had that Texas death match that saw Hangman Adam Page come out on top against Adam Cole on a Friday night rampage that slipped under the radar. On Dynamite, Sammy Guevara pulls the trigger on a heel turn. It looks like we are getting CM Punk against Hangman Adam Page. And the biggest news, arguably, that the Forbidden Door is coming to the United Center this summer. Not the phrase, but a whole pay-per-view. New Japan and AEW. AEW teaming up for what many would consider a dream card. The Forbidden Door is a reality, it's an entity, it's a thing, and it's coming to pay-per-view, Charlie. Yeah, it's it's a it's big news, isn't it, for two huge promotions like that, the biggest in Japan and the second biggest in America to do a joint pay-per-view. That's massive. And these are the cool things that WWE can't do. Well, won't do. WWE will never do this. So if these are the sort of things you want, there's only one place to go for it. Uh, I'll profess to not being the biggest New Japan fan in the world. I don't really know what's going on in New Japan, but I do like Japanese-style wrestling because it's hard-hitting and it's no nonsense. So I'll be happy to see some of that on an AEW card. Herein lies, I think, and I feel like I say every week, a little bit of the issue AEW will have, and they can address it easily, there's a lot of assumed knowledge. I I am well aware AEW is... Uh, uh, New Japan is a great product. Well aware it's a great product. I'm not that up on it. I, I, I don't have the time to watch New Japan religiously, so I need AEW to educate me about why this is something that I should be investing in even more than I am already. Because I'm curious and I like the buzz and I know enough to know it's important, but I don't have that emotional gut reaction that I think sometimes AEW will assume you get to these big announcements. Because you know they're going to lean into the history with Bullet Club stuff as well. And does everyone know that? Because that's all I know. But to me, New Japan is, my main knowledge is Bullet Club. And you know they're going to lean into that with the books, with Adam Cole, is Kenny going to come back for it? These sorts of things. You'd be surprised I didn't bring Kenny Omega back for this show with with his run in New Japan. But you need to teach everyone what Bullet Club was. And I, I, is Bullet Club still going in New Japan? Is there a current reincarnation of Bullet Club? I don't know. So there's loads. There's loads we need to be brought up to speed with for us to fully enjoy this pay per view. And I'm just thinking, if you are one of my mates, and I have mates like this who have been brought back to wrestling by AEW and the product that they put out. And in recent, let's say, six, seven weeks, you're being told, here's Danhausen. He's a big he's a big deal. But why? We we bought Ring of Honor. This is a big thing. Sure, but why? And now New Japan, we've got this pay-per-view. It's a huge deal. Sure, but why? And I think AEW doesn't do enough. And and I'll I'll give them a pass on this because this was literally announced on Dynamite this week. So they may be planning this, but I do think AEW doesn't do a great job of taking casual fans and even more educated than that and saying, but why? Why should I care? Yeah, and like you say, assume knowledge is a dangerous thing and 50% of the audience might have it, but the 50 who don't are going to switch off. So they need to just get us all up to speed on why this is exciting. That said, the matches that we are going to be able to get are going to be off the card. And if you think we're excited... The AEW roster and the New Japan roster is going to be... You'll have to peel them off the ceiling because there are dream matches everywhere you look. Yeah, this is going to be very exciting. It is going to be a great show. And that that's only one saving grace, I think, is even if you don't know all the history and all the lore surrounding it, the wrestling will probably make up for it. 
Yeah, I think so. And it's in Chicago. And they've got plenty of time to get us excited about it. Sadly, they didn't do a great job getting us excited about the Texas death match between Hangman Adam Page and Adam Cole. But they go 20 minutes on a live rampage. A lot of controversy about the spot at the end. I don't know if you've seen it and maybe if listeners have come across this. For those who haven't, um, a dead eye delivered by Hangman Adam Page off the ring apron through a table to wrap this match up. But before that, uh, Hangman Adam Page takes a, a circle of, some people have said, a crown of barbed wire and places it on Adam Cole's head. It being Easter, that riled a lot of folks. Yeah, that on Good Friday. Um, I mean. You've got to think someone, someone in AW saw how that was going to look to Christian folk, like to, to Christians. That 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 is going to come across as disrespectful. And whether you're religious or not, I, I'm not. I can completely understand why that would come across as disrespectful and upset people. And just maybe, well, not maybe, disrespecting and upsetting people, whether you agree with their views, their religion, whatever, is not something we we should be doing. We should all be respectful, all should be nice. And just if, if everyone was like that, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? But I just can't believe that no one in AEW didn't go, oh, guys, this could look this could look like a bit of a bad look for us. This could come across wrong. Maybe we think of another finish to this match. You say that, and I completely agree with you. However, until someone pointed it out on social media, it didn't cross my mind at all. It, it And I watched the match, and then I went on social media and was looking at the reaction. I don't even think it was till, and it may just be the folks I follow, it may have been an instant reaction, but the folks I followed, it wasn't until a couple of days later that you look and you go, Oh my God, they, they they did do that. I don't think it was a type of thing they did intentionally. I think it was just, you know, my dad has a saying, is it cock up? Is it conspiracy? I think actually this was cock up rather than conspiracy. Yeah, I think, you, I, by the way, I love that saying. I think you're probably right. But when you're a multi-million dollar company and on national TV and stuff, you always have people, you have anti-cock-up people, don't you? There should, there, there'll be people whose job it is to make sure things like this don't happen. Did you just think. use the phrase, you have anti-cock-up people? Yes. That's, that's, yes. That's, that's a job title. And we will be looking for anti-cock-up people to join the podcast and your main <laughs> job will be supervising me because you don't know, you don't know how many times Jack has to stop our recording and go, Charlie, you can't say that. I'm that, gonna have to, that I'm, that's libel. That's slander. Charlie, Charlie, I'm going to have to ask you to start that answer again. We do that quite a lot here. Um, so, yeah, the anti-cock-up people probably should have picked up on it. Um, let's see, I don't think it was malicious intent. I don't think Adam Cole or Hangman or Tony Khan or any of the writer and one's gone, let's do this to rile up the Christians. I don't think they've done that. But I think you just have to be a little bit more vigilant. I also think th- this was like, this match happened in a vacuum. No one really knew it was going on. Yeah, it was really weird, wasn't it? It happened, and then no one really on Dynamite, you know, unless I missed it, and I don't think I did, we got Adam Cole in a backstage segment, then he's announcing the New Japan stuff, and he's sort of gone, oh, I'm a bit boo-hoo, I'm a bit sad, I've lost this. But I mean, it was a Texas death match. A death, the name death is in it, and he's like, oh, well, we lost, but now we need to get back to winning. You'd think there'd be a bit more and you think for hangman adam page it'd be a bit more yeah the whole thing was a bit odd it, it happening on rampage hurt it and I, I get they might be trying to make rampage you must see but it's not and that hurt this match half of the people who watch rampage do not watch dynamite so so you you've got you literally presented half your view i i feel and i love aw i feel it's in a wee bit of a storytelling rut at the moment or maybe i'm in a rut with it maybe i'm just just seeing the flaws and 
it's like when you see a crack in the wall. Once you see it, you can't stop seeing it. Once I see these things they're not doing, it frustrates me every week. But put that to one side. All CM Punk, Hangman, Adam Page is going to be a lot of fun if that's where we're going. And it looks like yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in for that. I'm in for that. Um, and also, Hangman, Adam Page is having a hell of a run here, by yeah. the way. As, as champion, I've I've championed him to lose his title from the start. Let's not lie here. I wanted Danielson to take it off him, and then I wanted Colt to take it off him. I'm going to keep that going. I'd like to see CM Punk with the world title. Right. So having said I'm going to put that to one side, I'm now going to go straight back to it. Yes, he's having a hell of a run. Would you know it with the way he's being presented? Would Are, are AEW saying, here's a video package on the fact this guy went, uh, went to a draw with Danielson and then beat Danielson and then he beat Cole and now he's done this and by the way he beat um, Lance Archer in a Texas death match and he's taken up every challenge and he is our guy and because he's our guy he's your guy or does he just come out and go oh, I'm the champ and you know I just like cowboy yeah, he's, he's your guy AEW and the fact we all want him to lose the title sort of shows yeah. that, that they've not they've not done right by him they need a really good video package, mm. I think, about how he's saying, or yeah, he's saying, you think you're the best in the world, CM Punk. Well, I am, I'm world champion, here's why. And go through his title run. Like you say, big up the Danielson draw, big up the Danielson win, the Lance Archer death match, the Adam Cole wins. Big them all up. Make him out to be the big deal he is before he loses the title to CM Punk. Because I need to see CM Punk as a world champion again. Yeah, I do as well. And I think if we get Punk to MJF by the end of the year, which I think probably is where the title's going, I'm a happy boy. Um, I, I just think we they talk more about the, the power of being TNT champion or the Owen Hart Cup or any of those things than they do about their blinking world champion. He should be the main event. He should always be in the main event segments. He's your guy. Let's talk a little bit about the TNT Championship because it came home at Battle of the Belts to Sammy Guevara, three-time champion. I think AEW has looked at the reactions he's got and gone, this guy cannot be a babyface anymore. Let's flip him. They also had to flip Dan Lambert and turn him almost babyface, which isn't easy, but it had to be done. Yeah, but, but they put themselves into that hole because no one is watching handsome Sammy Guevara have an interesting evening in with good-looking Tay Conti on top of the TNT title and going, that's my guy. Yeah, he's lovable. No, that's absolute textbook heel behavior. So why why are we why are we trying to make him a face? Make this guy heel, thankfully they have. It was I th- I think this is where the lines between their personal life, which is none of our business, and they should be nothing but happy, but wrestling fans don't always operate in that way. And 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 their professional characters sort of became blurred and it just he didn't seem particularly likable in some of these i mean look you're a pro athlete we if you were to win the championship or the championship cup you would not be handing it round to your teammates going right boys let's all go home and you can all have a turn having sex on the bell i mean it just did he not see that that was such a bad idea it was never going to be a good look was it no Never ever. I'm glad that he's turning. It needs to happen. And frankly, that is back on track. Let's do, shall we, a little bit of fantasy booking. It's been a little while since we've done this with WrestleMania and Triple H and everything that was going on uh, and Scott Hall as well. Rest in peace. So we haven't done some fancy booking in a while, but we're back to it. And it's a cracker set by our own Charlie Beckett. How would you put the title on Cody Rhodes? We'll do Ryan and me this week, yourself and some others next week. Are you ready, Charlie? 
Oh, I'm ready. Strap me in. So this, these are more sort of, these aren't week by week bookings. They're more a feel sort of booking. And Ryan says this, I haven't worked out yet how you put the title on Cody, but you do need to do it via a route where he beats Roman by count out at SummerSlam. So wins the match, but not the title. A dusty finish, as it were, for Dusty's son. In an ideal world, you put the title on Cody at WrestleMania 39. So you have a 12 month story of Cody returning at Mania and winning the belt at the very next one. However, does that mean you do Roman Rock non-title? I think you can have Drew cash in on Roman and then have Drew become a mega heel have Cody win the Rumble to earn his second chance after losing at SummerSlam by countdown or winning by countdown, not winning the belt. And you have Cody Rhodes beat a heel Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. All roads from the Rumble lead to WrestleMania, and that's how Cody goes over and takes it. I like it. I think the absolute key is, and I've said this a million times, we have to split those belts again. We have to get somehow the WWE title off Roman and cash-in is the way. Cash-in, and the cash-in can only be for one belt. Oh, really? So you wouldn't have, in this scenario, the cash-in be... I mean, but it, I think you have to cash-in for both. I think they've put themselves into that. If you've unified the titles... I mean, if you're Drew and you win the money in the bank, don't you cash-in for both? Why would you say, ah, you're all right, you're all right, Roman? Contract law. The money in the bank <laughs> contract says it is only for one title at a time. It's contract law. It's, it's classic classic contract law. I've watched Suits. It's oh, contract law. Oh, all right, Harvey. Thank you very much. Yes. I, I, I know that. I, I think what's interesting here is in this scenario, Ryan doesn't want the belt to come off Roman. We, we want Cody to have it, but we don't want Cody to take it from Roman, which is interesting, no? I want Roman to be universal champion forever that's why i want the belt split i literally want him to the day he dies to universal champion the wwe title can bounce about but that title is roman reigns i want 78 year old roman defending it against his grandchildren interesting you said that you've played into my darren brown mind trick as we go towards my fantasy booking because i think the reason this is such a struggle to book is because we do want cody to have his moment with the belt but the roman has been built to such a high level that even cody doesn't seem credible taking the title from him as a face. And as much as we fantasy book who beats Roman, if we're honest, we don't want Roman not to have the belts. And what have we always said? The best time to turn someone is the moment you're not expecting it. So what if Cody Rhodes wins the title by turning heel on Roman Reigns and turning Roman Reigns face? Now, I haven't worked out all the logistics of it, but something like in the Build to Survivor series, we have Roman act slightly more like a face to Cody Rhodes. He talks about how, Cody, you're not taking my belts, but I respect you and I respect your father because don't forget, Cody, your father in NXT gave me my chance. Without your father, I wouldn't be head of the table. And Roman displays some slightly more face tendencies. He calls off the Usos when they're beginning to menace Cody and Cody talks about how he respects Roman, but he wants a fair fight, but he will do anything to win the title. And then somehow at Survivor Series, what you get is Cody conspires to get the referee down and he hits Roman with not one, not two, but three low blows, smirking after each and every one of them, then three crossroads. Hopefully the crowd is booing as we do this, and let's make sure of it. Let's put it in Florida or wherever Roman Reigns is for, just to make it work as a double turn. 
And afterwards, Cody puts the boots to Roman because Cody's a man now. He's achieved everything he needs. Why should he be humble? He's done what he said he'd do. He's come back to win the WWE Championship. He didn't come back for the fans. He didn't come back to entertain. He came back for the belt, and he's got the belt. And now Roman's in chase mode as a face after heel Cody, because when's the time to turn someone? When you want it least. Yeah, I I see it, and I don't like it, which means it's probably good, um, because that I shouldn't like a heel, because you're not meant to like them. My only, only, only slight issue with it is, do we steal... Cody, the fans, the company, everyone of that moment of that huge pop of face winning it for for Dusty because it'd be it'd be I don't think it'd be Daniel uh, Danielson Brian what was he called Daniel Bryan in WWE esque at WrestleMania thirty sort of pop and then that promo on the Raw the night after all that but then also yeah because but you've just should, said you uh, don't want it you've just said oh, I don't know so what is, I want now so here's so this is my as I was writing this everything everyone has always said to me is. I want Roman to hold the belts forever. So we're here kidding ourselves that Cody's going to have this huge eruption when he wins the belt. Everyone's going to buy into this story. Oh, we're all so happy for Cody. No, we're all going to be a little bit sad that Roman doesn't have the belt and we're not getting Roman versus Rock. And, and you know, we heard Ryan say it there. Oh, do we have to take the belt off Roman? So if we're all saying, oh, do we have to? We don't want to. Let's lean into it. Let's let's make Cody that heel. And if we're taking it off and people are going to be unsure, let's turn him. Yeah, I see it. I do see it. I just doesn't sit comfy with me, but that's probably why it's good. It's also probably why it'll end like WrestleMania 17, the ending of that, where it'll stink the place out and everyone will say, you had a stellar opportunity to do it and you didn't do the right thing. So look, those are my fancy bookings and Ryan's. We've got more next week. How is yours coming along? Uh, I'm in a bit of a hole at the moment. I'm confused and I'm glad you said you want to do yours this week. Let's put it that way. Oh, really? You're really struggling with it. Yeah. Before we do, earning the push and back to developmental, I have a confession. Oh, okay. This is this is a new new segment. Confessions with Jack Murley. I think AEW has let Hook cool off just a little bit. With, oh, what with, makes you say that? Because I watched his match on Dynamite, and then afterwards, when they had Danhausen come out and curse him, I just thought, oh no, no, I don't like. That. I don't mind it backstage a little bit, but I don't want Danhausen's first match to be with Hook. Keep them apart. Yeah, I think I think it's quite easy to fix. I think Hook just mauls him for a minute. I think he absolutely destroys him. And I mean, like, quite uncomfortable viewing. But doesn't that make Hook a heel again? But what is Hook? Is Hook heel? Is he a face? Isn't he a heel? But we all want to be him, so he's cool, so we cheer him. Is that not what he is? But that makes him a baby, doesn't it? But you can be a baby and act like a heel if everyone wants to be you. Uh, Stone Cold wasn't a nice man. Stone Cold weren't doing good things. But they booked him against heels. So although he was behaving like a heel, he was a face, and they booked him against... But Dan Housen's trying to curse him. It's not a nice thing to do. Dan Housen is not a heel. He's not. He's trying to curse people. No. I... Just because he's just because he's rubbish at it doesn't mean it's any... That that's makes him like, a face. That's, that's been like, oh, he attempted murder, but he didn't do it very well, so he's a face. Is it like that, Charlie? Is yeah, it... it's, like, it's like trying to kill someone with a Nerf gun. Okay. That's I, what Dan Housen is. I look forward to your... Because you do seem to be on a legal bent today. I look forward to you citing Hook versus Dan Housen in case law when you're up at the Old <laughs> Bailey. 
Have you got precedent? Yes. Hook versus Danhausen, 22. Your Honour, I refer you to Dynamite. Um, actually, before we do do Earning the Push, because I meant to talk about this. I talk about it every time. Stone Cold Steve Austin, back with another Broken Skull Sessions. With Bully Ray. Bully Ray. So good. Yeah, those two could talk forever and I'd listen. There was a brilliant bit where where they're talking about something or other and Bubba just turns to, turns to Steve Austin and goes, oh yeah, that's when I was working with Brock because you walked out on the company. And, just, <laughs> and Austin just laughs and toasts him. I thought, have, have you had a chance to see it yet? Probably not. I've seen 50, 60% of it. I'm watching it in segments. Yeah, okay. It was it was really good. If you haven't had a chance to see it, set aside 90 minutes of your day. It's just brilliant. Uh, right, let's send something uh, back to developmental from everyday life that we hate. Let's give something the push first or second, Charlie. So I'll go first this week. Um, earning the push for me is, is a, it's a twofold. So we were really struggling to find something to watch, like a new series or a film or something. We couldn't find it on Netflix, couldn't find it on Amazon Prime. Um, thought we'd just stick Disney Plus on to see what they had. Disney Plus has loads of great shows that you don't think they have. Like it's not just all Disney. There is so much good stuff on there. Uh, and we've started watching one. We are watching for the first time 24. Oh, we- I've never watched 24. Mm. And it, I like Kiefer Sutherland because I've seen Designated Survivor on Netflix. And he's really good in that. And he's really good in 24. And it's such a clever premise. I thought each episode was a day. I didn't realize each episode is an hour of the day. It's so clever. And there's 24 episodes a series, 24 hours a day. Uh, but what makes me laugh is I'm going to watch nine series of this man and I'm only going to see nine days of his life. Um, but we are really enjoying 24 so far. We're five episodes in, five hours in, and it's very good. So that is earned the push from me. Series seven is where he goes and does the laundry, just pops into the supermarket. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm like, at what point am I going to watch him just brush his teeth or go to sleep? Can I just say, and there are lots of folks who love it, um, I've been subjected to some designated survivor. Oh, it's terrible. Do you not like Designated Survivor? Mr. President, what are you going to do? I'm going to come in and talk deeply and solve this intractable problem with the sheer power of my earnestness. Oh, thank God you're here, Kiefer. Well done. And also, bizarrely, wasn't it on, like, ABC for two series and then they whacked it on Netflix? So in series three, they just started cursing for no reason. I've no idea because I watched it all on Netflix. Uh, so first, it was one of those that was a TV show that got put on Netflix, and I think Netflix took the rights to it in the third series, but I didn't realise that. And I think Netflix have decided, well, they can swear. Let's have them yeah. swear a little well, bit. Then, and then they just cut it. The 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 <laughs> the, um, the the story was far from done, and now I'll never know what happens. Oh, dear. What a loss. Okay, so that's earning the push. What's going back to developmental? Well, first of all, you do quite a good American accent. We've just learned that. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah. Like Hugh Laurie uh, in House. Yes. Well, that that's what a brilliant show. Anyway, back to developmental for me. So I want to preface this by saying I love the film Hercules, as in the Disney classic. It is two of my favourite things. It is Disney musicals with classical history, ancient history. I love ancient history. And um, Zero to Hero is an absolute bop. Bless what a my song. Whole, not bless my whole, bless my soul, Herc was on a roll. On a roll. <laughs> but it's going back to developmental. Why? That song. Right, yeah. Because I want to love it. But the history nerd, the man who did history A-level and classical civilization A-level and was off to university to do classical history before he decided being a rugby player sounded like more fun, that guy in me will not let me enjoy that song because of one line in it. Okay. One line. Hercules is Greek mythology, correct? Correct. Who put the glad in gladiator? Hercules. Gladiators are Roman. Well, this is true. I'd never thought they of that. They are not Greek. So 
Hercules did not put the glad in gladiators because there are no gladiators in Greek history. That is Roman history. And Disney, you are better than that. Well, I think Disney have bigger things on their plate at the moment that they're dealing with, but I'm sure if you write them a letter, they might, um, they might once they've got past the whole don't say gay bill, which we're yes, sending back yes. to developmental. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Well, do, you, um, do you think the intray is going to be, well, we could deal with that, but we've got this letter from England about, <laughs> about classic late 90s animated film Hercules and one line, so let's just have a crack at that. Yes. So no, I love the film. I love the song, but I, the nerd in me will not let me enjoy it because of that line. It comes on my Disney playlist on shuffle when I'm driving to training. And yes, that's a playlist I have. And I just like, oh, I want to listen to this, but I can't. Okay. Well, I, I'm with you on that. I've never noticed it. I think that deserves to go back to developmental. Um, right. For me, earning the push this week, Sam Ryder, Britain's Eurovision entrant. The song is Spaceman and it's really, really good. I have not heard it. Oh, Charlie, they're playing it everywhere in my house. Maybe not on the radio, but it's really we, good. They're playing it everywhere. We, you and your better half are playing it everywhere. Because well, we, you, so if you don't know, Jack's better half is a massive Eurovision fan yeah. and he's just starting to get you in on it, isn't he? That took me unawares when I first met him. I have to be honest, that was <laughs> that was not something I'd factored in. But here's, here's what we now have this deal. He's quite keen to come to the Cardiff event on the, oh, is he? on the basis that he feels staging-wise, it might have elements of Eurovision in. <laughs> That's amazing. And I said, I can sort, okay, the stage, the fireworks, the sort of sense of spectacle, I can sort of see where you're coming from with this. So, so yeah, I can. But So Sam Ryder, brilliant lad. He looks like Jesus. He's going around. He's singing this song. It is really good. And it'd be nice in a year that's still been pretty miserable, to have a Eurovision win, or at least not come last. So we're pulling for Sam Ryder, even if you haven't heard his song. Yeah, I'll go and listen today. To not get zero points would be a win, wouldn't it? Um, on the Cardiff show, quickly, sorry, mm. did you see um, Alex McCarthy's chat with Drew that WWE have had over 120 thousand registrations for pre-interest yes i did see that and i also was having a conversation with someone this week saying that they've already booked their hotel in cardiff on the basis that they might get tickets so i think and i'm gonna look at booking hotels fairly quickly i think if you are a wrestling fan in the uk looking to get there book your hotels while you can because it's gonna it's gonna be heaving it, it really is i've got to work out first of all getting a ticket also i'm only an hour and a half from cardiff so it's working out whether I go and drink and stay or if I just go and come back. I don't know. Oh, you don't. You want to go and have a drink, don't you? you yeah, don't wanna... yeah, you do. You do. There's not really much working out to be done there, if I'm honest. No, it was, that was a pretty easy conversation. But I yeah. mean, they're going to fill that. They're going to absolutely. Well, surely this interest is, means they're going to come back every year. Surely you make this annual. Are Sorry you... to talk wrestling in our non-wrestling bit of the podcast for people. Because my better half's always like, is there any way you could just clip up all the end bits of your podcast that isn't wrestling? I could just listen to them. And I was like, no, just go and put the podcast on and scroll through to that bit. It's not hard. Also, so if you are listening, if you are listening, I'm sorry if this is not what you're listening for, but we are going to talk a bit of wrestling here quickly. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to, what, 120,000 applications for pre-interest before the card's announced. If it'll see 84,000 and absolute push, you've got a third of people not buying tickets and you're still filling it up. I mean, yeah, easy. And, and this is just, you know, they could do it at Wembley. They could do it at Twickenham. They could take it. It doesn't just have to be in Wales. They can generate the interest. And look, as we say, we're all going to try and be there. So if you are as well, good luck. Um, back to developmental for me. Tom Holland. I'm sending back. What? To... 
you best have a good reason to send Spider-Man back to developmental. Well, I've always... Tom Holland is one of those people who everyone always goes, oh, he's just the bee's knees. And I and Tom Holland has passed me by. He's like Pluto. I know he's out there somewhere, but he's not really in my life. Okay. <laughs> then, you know, YouTube will sometimes say, oh, watch this. And for some yeah. reason, and I don't know if this is right, you'll tell me, some Spider-Man stuff came up with him, like a little clip, little clip of like, what's yeah. some Spider-Man? He's really good. He's, he's really, really good as Spider-Man. But he's very cool. He's very yeah. good looking. He's very yeah. funny. And yeah. so then I was watching more of that and I felt it was unfair one man could have all those things. And then okay. I saw him do, I think, a lip sync challenge to Rihanna. Have you seen Yeah, to um, the umbrella. Yeah. And I'm thinking yeah. one man cannot have all these gifts. So I'm sorry, yeah. Tom Holland. You're too much of a threat to my masculinity. <laughs> so I'm sending you back to developmental. My favourite thing, I, I, I get that reason. It's, it's a pure jazz. I'm happy. I'm happy to sign off on that because he's brilliant. And yeah. I just think, you see the work he does with his brothers for the Brothers Trust, their charity is amazing because he's got an amazing charity. I didn't even charity. know there was charity yeah. work. He's got an amazing charity. Uh, and you just look at him like, I'd love to go for a pint with you. I reckon you'd be great fun. But my favourite thing is because he, so he can't be trusted in media because he just spoils the films by saying things he shouldn't by accident. So in the when they were doing the press tour for Avengers Infinity War, which was huge, it's the third biggest film of all time after Titanic and Avengers Endgame, the sequel to it, they didn't let him go to a single interview without Bendit Cumberbatch with him. <laughs> Bendit Cumberbatch, for six months of his life, babysat Tom Holland on press tour. It's... Um, you go, if you've ever bored, go and watch. There's a ten-minute clip of him just getting nervous at press interviews. He just looks at Benedict Cumberbatch, and Benedict Cumberbatch just steps in and takes the question for him. And there's a few times where he starts to answer, and Cumberbatch just puts his hand over him and just stops him and takes the answer for him. Well, I, I would quite happily spend six months in Tom Holland's company, but yes. then back to developmental. You cannot have all those gifts. It's not fair, Tom. Uh, so that's that's for us. Um, before we wrap up. I do want to introduce a new segment next week, and I don't know how you feel about Ooh, this. Okay. Hidden gems, which I well, quite like. This comes off what you tweeted yesterday, didn't you? Which, oh my God, how has that passed me by? So this is, uh, if you've not seen it, this is, and I don't know why it came to mind, but go back and put in put in your YouTube machine. Two thousand eight, Monday Night Raw, Barack Obama. And this is when he was a senator, and it is the run up to the presidential primaries, and for reasons only known to WWE. Senator Obama, Senator Clinton, and Senator McCain all appeared on Monday Night Raw to make pitches for votes. And you have never seen someone look less comfortable than Hillary Clinton, where she's going, well, it's almost a primary in wherever, I think South Carolina, and just like Randy Orton, I'm going to RKO the... It is brilliant, right? John McCain genuinely says this at the end of his... I'm going to introduce Osama Bin Laden to The Undertaker. <laughs> he, also, he, he also says, to be the man, you have... No, to be the man, you have to beat the man. Finally, the Mac has come back to South Carolina. And then Barack Obama goes, if you smell what Barack is cooking, 
Which actually is quite good. Genius. So I I think on the back of this, each week, you, I, folks listening, should suggest Mm. or bring to the party a hidden gem, and we can alternate it in the world of wrestling. So I like that a lot. My hidden gem this week is go and find, put in YouTube, Senator Obama, Monday Night Raw. You will not be disappointed. My favorite thing is that after Hillary Clinton, it went straight to Hardcore Holly's entrance. Straight. Yeah, and he comes up with Cody Rhodes, doesn't he? It? It's when they were the tag team. So here's a question as we look to wrap this up. Uh, we're talking about Randy Orton being the man. We're talking about Cody being back. Do we get a legacy reunion or one-off meeting between these two men before Randy calls it time? I think we have to. Yeah, I think at some point, definitely, I could see if Cody's going to win the title, I could see Randy facing him. Absolutely, I could see that. And I'd watch that match, the story. I think that'd be brilliant. Yes, I'd I'd definitely like to see that at some point. Well, so would all of us. And look, thank you, by the way. Last week, we, in very low-key fashion, passed our 50th episode. We've been going for a long old time now, and we wouldn't be doing it without each and every one of you listening. So we say thank you for that. We say thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Share the love on social media. More Cody Rhodes fantasy booking next week. Uh, On behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you. And bye-bye.